I'm going to have to start all, this all over. Oh, I don't yeah, know. Man. Yeah. That's a good question. Keep asking again now. <laughs> <laughs> Put the blank on. Yeah, yeah. This might be a shorter episode. Yes. Just hey, we'll shorten it up. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll cut off. We'll cut off. We'll trim the fat. We'll trim <laughs> That's it. That's great. That's funny. Uh, not So, like, what are, what are some of the craziest homes you've walked into? Or unique? Mm-hmm. Um, well... I can say that there there was one home that I went into that uh, it didn't have a floor. Didn't have a floor. It didn't have a floor. It had um, like no well, sub part floor. Of it. Yeah, no no sub floor. Like it was um, on concrete slab, most of it. But then you go into one area. It was like the bedroom and the uh, yeah, the bed uh, the two of the bedrooms, and there was no um, floor. Like they cut out the concrete, and there was just dirt. So that was Man. interesting. That's wild. Yeah. Dude, I walked into one um in Oregon. So my my top my top 3 are all in all in Oregon. Okay. <clears throat> and um one of them was so bad. Um let's just say this, right? Like one of them was so bad, they had uh blood stains all over the walls. My there gosh. was um <laughs> urine everywhere all over the subfloor because the carpets and everything were ripped up you were just all on the subfloor and then um paraphernalia um and it smelled so bad i literally had to throw my clothes away i had to throw everything away mm. and i had to take like three showers it was that bad i've my never walked the, that's gosh. real talk that's rough. Dude, that's that, real that is crazy speaking of real let's get real let's get real all right. real all talk right. all right Episode four. I'm Derek, Shay, and Sam. And today we're going to be giving you uh, all kinds of knowledge about real estate tips on how to on buying, on selling, on investing, on if maybe you're thinking about getting in the business. Yep. I think we have some good insight and information for any of those aspects. Yep. Absolutely. Um, why don't we start this off with with buying? Buying's a hot topic right now. So what are what are some tips that you would give people right now looking to to buy a home? It could be the process. It could be Financing, or it could be anything. I think one of the first things that they got to understand right now is the the market is is changed a little bit from um, from you know a year ago or a couple of years ago, and um, you know they got to know that um, if they were in that process a couple of years ago and they found themselves found themselves being frustrated by um, just being so many multiple offers or just getting out just being hammered down by the market and um you know that's not the case necessarily i'm not saying that there's still not that out there but it is it's much more um it, it there's a there's a seems to be a better a, a, a way to get them into the house they want without being just beat out by these multiple offers so don't it's now's not the time to be discouraged yeah absolutely i think getting started because that's that's what i ran into when i first got into the business about two and a half years ago was jumping into a market brand new getting my license was that's what it was he was i started showing clients as i mean as soon as i first jumped in and that's what we were running into all the time i mean i had a half a dozen clients that we'd be getting at beat out every single week by i mean 5 10 15 offers on the same house within just 24 hours of it going live so i think just staying persistent with it even though um, even though it may be challenging, maybe maybe frustrating at times as a first time home buyer, especially when you maybe don't have as much money to bring to the table because you don't have you're not coming from the sale of a home or something like that. Um, just staying persistent with it, I think that that's probably that's a tip that I would give. Um, just getting started because it, it can be frustrating, but hold out, wait for the wait for the right one. There can't be it's not going to be a perfect fit all the time, but maybe some things that you're you're going to be settling on but for the most part just wait wait for the right opportunity and i think it'll it'll work out yeah, and the other one i would say is we you know where are you in in life that 
um, that is having you look at this home. You know, it's it's more than just about um, when you go in is the is the paint the way you want it to to be is the are the cabinets the way you want them to look. I mean, uh, it's sure that we want to take that into account, but like. What's the bones look like? Where's the where's the house located? Is it close to the school that you know you want your kids to go to? Um, is it in the neighbor kind of neighborhood that you want to? Because those little small cosmetic things, those can those can be fixed. That's right. Relatively yeah. e- easily, and um, you know there is no perfect home. Yeah, there is no perfect home. So uh, now you can make it the perfect home, and but there is no perfect home when you walk in there. So um, you know take the overall picture the overall vision that you want in the yeah. house and that's what you should be applying to your expectations and it's those small cosmetics things aren't as important as where the house is located what the bones of the house look like or, or you know how how they are are the big ticket items in place you know we, we went and looked at a home this weekend or I, I took some clients out to a home this weekend and it was so refreshing i mean i'm telling them like you know, it's got a new H- HVAC system. It's the electrical was redone. The, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, it's got a new roof. It, it had a new water heater and plumbing. I mean, those are the big ticket items that you're that I'm like, man, that's 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 good. That's all. I love that. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and I think too, as as we're all you know, real estate professionals here in in the Panhandle around Amarillo, I think what's important too is when we have these discussions with our buyers in a consultation is setting those right expectations of what the market's doing, what you two are just talking about is like what the current market's doing. You know, are interest rates high? Is inflation crazy? Sure. But whenever we say interest rates are high, they're also average for the last 30 years. So, you know, we're probably never going to see the historic numbers that everybody got so used to over the past three years. Well, the whole world was kind of topped upside down with COVID and everything else going on, supply chain issues. And so I think people are starting to settle into a new normal in a way. And I think that's important for a home buyer because there were a lot of you out there who um, maybe held off for the last year and a half, two years um, as interest rates started going up, as inflation started going crazy, um, just to wait to see what was going to happen. Well, sellers were in the same boat, right? Inventory stayed low, which that was the expectation where we were hoping more inventory would come to the market. Well, Mm -hmm. when interest rates shots up, you know, I saw a stat the other day that said, um, somewhere in the 60 percentage range of all people who had um, who had bought a home happened over the last three, four years when interest rates were so low. And th- those are the homeowners for today. And so the sellers who got those rates don't want to sell right now unless they just need to or have to, right? right. So you had a stalemate right. on both sides, right. which I think where your point comes in is like, you know, this isn't what we saw two years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A buyer can like – in some instances, take a little bit more time. They can, in some instances, in some areas of the market, they can take a little bit more time. They can kind of go through and kind of have a normal experience mm-hmm. um, where they're not too rushed, which I think also plays to your point too. But those are things we go over in a consultation with the buyer. Um, so I, I would also suggest, as, uh, your, you know, your first place to start as a home buyer is hiring your real estate agent. Get Absolutely. your professional. Um so when you look to hire your right real estate agent, what are some of the don'ts, if you could tell a buyer? Don't do what when looking to hire your real estate agent? Well, just going along with that point, yeah, I would say definitely. Hey, hey look, you know, we, we all we all list homes, and our, our sign is out in the front of some yards. And, I mean, I'm, I tell people this, like, you know, when you find the home you want, if you're out there looking at a house right now and you're looking – and you see the sign in the yard, that is not the person that you want to call if you want your advocate for you. Um, and, uh, you know, you see my sign, don't don't call me because that's, I work for the seller. The person whose sign is in the yard works for the seller. And it's an advocate system, right? We, we work in an advocate system. You have a an agent who works for the seller and they are there, they owe a fiduciary duty to that seller. And, you the first step in, is finding the realtor for you because that realtor that works for you is working for you. They are your advocate in negotiations. Yeah. So I just going along with what you're saying, the first thing that you want to look for or don't want to look for is someone that is not going to work for you and be honest with you. You've got to have an agent that's going to be honest with you and go, you go into a house and say, ooh, this incident 
this isn't a good fix. This isn't a good fit for you and your family. You know, you, obviously you make your decision, mm-hmm. but this is this house. It's got some major problems. We got some problems here, and also I'm outside perspective looking in. Like you told me that you wanted these certain things, but this isn't fitting those certain things. So you make up your dis- mind and make up your decision. But I'm just telling you from an you know from a third party outside view. This is what I'm seeing. So don't look for someone that's not willing to be honest with you and tell you the truth. So yeah. that right there, that is actually what you just did was actually be a fiduciary in that example. Yeah, you right. were able to bring them back to their original motivation, give them advice, guide them on what they wanted for their motivation points. Yeah. <clears throat> if you're calling the sign in the yard for the seller, the seller's agent, they are not allowed to act in that fashion. Correct. It's not that they don't have you know that they don't care about you that they don't want the best house for you either it's just we are bound by ethics right so we gotta we gotta follow those ethics that's right i love that yeah that's a difficult place to be but just touching (laughs) on that um i think that it is super important just i mean what based on what sam just said um that not calling the person whose sign is in the yard um but as you're interviewing real estate professionals and figuring out who's going to be the best fit for you Let's be completely honest. There are a lot of really, really good real estate agents in the Panhandle. Oh, absolutely. A lot of really, really good ones. And I think that, um, especially when I was able to work in the title and escrow side, and that was my job was to build relationships with realtors and mortgage lenders. And I met a lot of really incredible people. There's so many great agents in the Panhandle. And and I, I think if you feel like that's the person that's going to be the best fit for you as a buyer, um, man, go, go with your gut, go with that person because there, there's a lot, there's a lot, I'll just say it again. There's a lot of really good real estate professionals. So, um, yeah, find that right person. Yeah. And I, I think that another part of this is, you know, uh, there are great ones. So, you know, what's important to you? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, is relationships the most important to you? Because in a lot of cases it is, or is it that they, really know their stuff on the contracts and they really are hard nosed and negotiations and, and, and on that. So is that important to you? I mean, I just think you just got to find out what's important to you and, and in the interview process, find out, you know, what they know and what they're willing to do. There's another one. Um, you know, are they willing to go out in the evening time on a Saturday night? And cause that's your, that's your, that happens to be your night off, you yeah. know, that's your only day off. And, right. You know, like Saturday's the only time I can go look at houses. Find that real estate agent that's like, eh, I can do that. Yeah. Really so like let's say that. you're brand new. You're the first time you're getting ready to buy a home. What would you tell that person on how to hire their agent? Three things. What are they What are they looking for? Like, how do they find them? Oh, like, where, where do they go? What do they, like, who, like, what do they do? Yeah, man, I think um, if you jump on, jump on Google, jump on Facebook. Um, Google, I think, is a really big one. There's uh, a lot of good agents that I know that really at the end of the process, after they've helped people buy and sell, they will send out a review form and say, Hey, fill this, fill out this review. Um, would love your honest feedback. See where you're at. I think that's a great place to find a good local agent is, is on Google because that's where, I mean, that you get a lot of that positive feedback from, from people that have used that person. What about you, Sam? Yeah, I would, uh, I would say that, uh, you know, that's Google and, and is, is a solid place to look to. Um, you know, uh, you know, ask around too. Mm-hmm. You, you're not the only one that's buying or selling homes. So, you know, ask around to your, your friends and buddies, you know, people that you work with and, you know, ask them about how their home, pro- home buying process is. And if they really had an agent that was their advocate, you know, and, uh, you know, good to them, then they're, they're going to remember those people and, and, and give you, give that referral. I love that. I love that too. Um, if you're okay, let's, let's kind of do like a little fire round for buying and we'll move on to selling. So on buying, um, let's take this example here. First time home buyer, three major red flags are what to look for in a home. Go. Three major red flags. There's no floor in the living room or the, <laughs> that's in a the good one, bedroom. Man. Yeah, that's a good. If it ain't got a floor, you might not want that home. Man, the three L's: location, location, location. I love that. That's a good mm-hmm. one. 
I'm going to say uh, location, price, condition. Love it. You can get two of the three, but you probably are never going to get all three of three. Yep. If you do, that's a very rare find. I like that. Yep, that's yep. perfect. Yep. And, uh, you know, first-time home buyers, you know, they're probably, most of the time, they're going to be younger. They're going to have, they've got an upstart family. And just realize that you are probably not going to, that's probably not going to be your forever home. Okay. So, you know, that's, that's it. You know, you get a home that you're, it's going to be okay to work on a little bit because, you know, your price point may, may not be up very high. You may not have a lot of money to put down, you know, as, as opposed to someone that's got equity in a house and selling. So it's okay if you get a home that, you know, needs a little work, you know, obviously you don't want to get into the frame of a house. So let's not, I mean, condition does matter, but it, it may need a little bit of work. Are you okay with doing that, a little bit of work and know that, in three to five years, you're probably going to be upgrading as the, as the family grows. But I will say, add on to that, um, you know, look for a home that you don't that you think might turn into a good investment property. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, could this home be something that you could hold on to as your job increases salary, but you can still maybe rent this one out? And as you go into a new home, is this a possible rental rental uh, property? Do you do you tell your clients about that? A thousand percent. So <clears throat> I, I, I work a ton, which we all do. All three of us actually work a lot with investors. And one of the, one of the things I wish I could, you know, dial back that clock and, and redo is I would have bought a house way sooner and stopped renting way sooner. Mm. Um, I probably mm-hmm. would have figured out a way. Um, I did go the college route. So if I would have looked back in retrospect, I would have bought a house in college I would have had it the four years while I was, you know, getting my degree and then also in my master's program. And then I probably would have held that house um, and used it as a rental and taken some of the equity out along with whatever money I'd saved at that time. And I went, would have went and got the next house. Yeah. Right. And what that does for you, you know, as, as, as you rent, you're paying a hundred percent of your money to a landlord. Like that money goes straight to a landlord. You're out never the window. Getting, you're never getting that money back. Yep. But if you if you purchase a home that is a hard asset, that home is going to appreciate over time, right? And so it's one of the only assets which, you know, the S&P and the stock market has done this over time as well. But to a larger degree, real estate is one of the safest asset classes that there is for investing because it appreciates long term. You're going to see sustained growth. Um, you have inflation and economic factors that are always going to trend that house's price and value upward. So while you have that, you're gaining appreciation in the asset, and then you can also make monthly cash flow, and there's tax advantages. You get tax breaks for owning real estate. Yeah, right. And so there's so many positives to owning real estate that I would have went back in time, and I would have absolutely had my first house in college as soon as I possibly could have. If I could have qualified at the – so buyers, if you're out there and you're on the fence between renting and buying – Find you a good real estate professional that's going to have, and the reason why that's the first step is because they're the ones that are going to have all the resources around them. They're going to have the lenders. They're going to have the contractors. They're going to have everybody you need in order to get all of your next steps taken care of. Step one, hire a great agent. Step two, get into a home. Get into a home. If it fits your budget, if it fits your lifestyle, your job's not changing, which is what you mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. what's your life like right now. I absolutely would go back and, and buy a rental. And I've, honestly, I probably would have, if I could have, I would have bought a rental or more every single year up until this point in my life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's one thing that when we moved to Amarillo four years ago, uh, we were living in New Mexico before, and I, w- I wish, like I go back and I think about that all the time, I wish that we would have kept that house and rented it out this entire time. Um, because you have somebody else. When, when you are, like Derek had just said, you're, if you're on the fence about buying or renting, just just buy a home because as an investor or somebody that has a property, then that as that property is appreciating over time, then you're having somebody pay down your mortgage. And so it's an asset that is increasing in value, but then you're having somebody else pay down right. pay down your mortgage. And I understand we're not answering every single detailed question, right? Right. You're gonna have the links to all three of us in every single episode. If you have questions about buying and selling and investing, Give us a call, shoot us a message, um, send us an email at Amarillo Real Talk, you know, uh, you know, at gmail.com. And once we have your information, we'll gladly reach out to you. One of us will reach out to you and go over the buying process with you step by step so that you have a good foundation. Um, Okay, let's move on to let's move on to sellers. All right. Okay. So 
real estate tips for sellers. Out, what, one of the things I would say is um, that agent, find that agent that's going to be, again, honest with you and show you, if you're looking to sell, okay, what's your, what is your motivation mm-hmm. and what's, what's your needs? Okay, so if we do, do you need to be out of the house right now? Find that real estate agent that's going to bring you a, a market analysis and a, and, a, and a bowl full of truth and what they can do for you. And, you know, I, I set it up in ranges. Like, if you're wanting to sell your house now, here's the range we're looking at. Do you want, do you want to wait a little while? Well, then we can look at a different range. And then, um, you know, what are, their, what are their tools for trying to get the word out um, that, the, that this house is for sale? Obviously, we, have, we all work in a listing system, but there's other tools on the trick uh, in the bag, right? So yeah. what are they willing to do? Yeah, I love that, man. I love that. 100%. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just and call out the, the elephant in the room here. Um, we're going to get real. I mean, sellers, I, I love you, but stop pricing your homes too high. Oh, uh, like, yeah. It's it's the agent's job to be advocating for you in that conversation to say, this is where I think you can actually sell the home in this amount of time. Yep. Like, that is a good agent that separates a good agent from an okay agent. If they can't be honest with you and they're just a yes agent and going to tell you what you want and say, here, yeah, that's your process listed, I think there's pros and cons to both. Um, and so I think if you have an agent who knows the market really well, gives a report, as a seller, we just went through talking about buyers and how the last three years has changed. The last three years all sellers have heard is list your home, it sells in 10 days. That's all they've heard for, mm-hmm. two, for three years now. The market shifted, inventory's low. There's still a lot of mindset out there in sellers that um, that think that they can sell at the highest amount of price. So when what is what is something that you would say to, to a seller who's wanting to list if it's out of the normal range for what a neighborhood or a market is suggesting? What's like something you, you say to a seller in that moment? Well, what I say is if it's priced too high, it's we're not going to get the people in to – you're not going to get the buyers. Mm-hmm. And so what's going to end up happening is we're going to end up lowering the price anyways, probably below where the market really is. But if we have a price correctly, we're going to have, we could have that multiple offer situation where we are getting over asking price because I've got two or three buyers that are coming in and, you know, that are interested buyers. So in that situation, if it's priced correctly, there is a possibility that we may go over market value in, in our final, um, uh, in our final you know, offer. But if we start out way high, we ended up lowering it below where the market really is. Yeah, that's right. And I think just going off of that, I think that a lot of people have in their minds that uh, when you sell your home, that it's, you can start high because you can always come down. Um, And I think that that is, that's probably uh, one of the biggest hurdles that as agents, I feel like we probably overcome in the conversations that we have. Um, But really that's, that's not the case because that's not going to be what's going to put the most money in your pocket. Um, if you are pricing right, like Sam said, that's going to allow an opportunity for multiple buyers to, to possibly come in and say, hey, you guys are priced right. I don't mind coming in a little bit over what you're asking in order to get this home because you have another offer, two other, three other offers. Mm-hmm. I love that. So one thing I just thought of two sellers, if you're going to be interviewing multiple agents and you have an agent that gives you your estimated home value range, um, and it's low as to what you your number in your head is, and you go to interview the next agent, and there's this way higher. Before you select the agent with the higher price, what Sam mentioned is gold. The one thing you as a seller should be asking your agent is, how are you going to market my home differently than everybody else That's that right. I'm going to talk to? Yep. What are the differences between agent A and B? If agent A says, hey, the price is lower, but I have 50 different resources. We have a podcast. We have YouTube. We have social media. We have software and technologies that no other broker has. Like if they're talking to you in that fashion versus somebody who's going to take your home at a higher listing, but they don't have nearly the avenues and tools, right. I would be concerned. And as a seller, I would probably go with agent A. Because it sounds like they have more target reach. It sounds like they have more of an audience. It sounds like they probably know a little bit more on how to reach buyers. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yeah, um, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. What are some other tips for sellers to, in today's market? And I think professional photography. I think that that is, it's not necessarily, 
I don't think it's a must, but I think it definitely helps when it comes to marketing your property. Um, if you go in there and you're taking pictures with your iPhone, which, hey, iPhone pictures, they're not bad. They're, they're actually pretty good for the most part. But if you can get from some professional photography and pay somebody who knows what they're doing with that and editing and making the, the picture look a little bit brighter and a little bit maybe get a different angle that you couldn't get with an iPhone. Um, man, I think that that makes all the difference as well, because if you throw, I mean, I see several properties that go live on the market that don't have any pictures or just have one of the front of the house and you don't know what the inside looks like. I think it's super important to attract buyers from having really, really good pictures of your home. Man, if I could talk on that for just a second. So I love that because honestly, it's won me listing after listing after listing because we would go against um, agents who had literally taken phone photography. And what I loved about that was the seller's question was, how can you market the home? Because they're more than nine times a 10, they're in a tough spot. So mm -hmm. whenever they're already listed with an agent and they call me, they're needing help. Mm -hmm. They've already been in a situation for a long time. They don't know how to get out, mm -hmm. but they know they need to sell their home. And maybe there's a relationship there. And we can talk about that too. Sellers, if you have questions, call us. But at the end of the day, what won me a lot of listings was we used to actually have in our listing packet and, you know, our marketing that's different than everybody else's. And what it used to be was if you had standard, normal HDR photography, which is what 90% of all photographers use and what normal listing agents use, a lot of that was either, okay, we're going up. Here, here's kind of where you're at now is either the standard HDR or it's, it's iPhone photos. Here's what we offer. And what we used to have as our set standard was it'd be a twilight photo. It'd be, um, we'd have professional studio quality photog photography. So we'd pay for the extreme package, the higher package. And then we would also do Zillow, Zillow 3D. All of those three things were a set standard. It didn't matter if it was a $20,000 manufactured home in a park. It didn't matter. That was our set standard. We would not go below that. And so what I could show was we had a, a, an investor who went through two different listing agents that did what I was explaining with the photos, iPhone photos, standard normal photography, didn't go above and beyond. And just so you know, like this was a 500 and something thousand dollar listing, by the way. But again, it doesn't matter if it's $20,000 listing. If that's how you're marketing, yeah. you're not capturing enough eyeballs online because people are going right through that, looking at things that look good. They mm -hmm. want something that looks good. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so we actually were able to take a, a house that had been on market through two agents in eight months and sold it. We had an all cash offer in 12 days, just using our marketing. Yep. So if you're a seller today's in today's market, marketing absolutely matters because that's going to be the difference between marketing and pricing is absolutely everything. When you have a marketing package that can actually get to the most eyeballs, the most views, the most exposure versus something that's limited, you're going to win a lot more of those situations with the right money than you will otherwise. Um, what are some other tips you got for sellers in today's market? Hey, I would say, um, here's something. Well, we just go back to that investment home is like, do you really need to sell? Is it possible for you to get another home and keep this, keep this mm -hmm. home as a rental? I don't know. It, you're kind of like, uh, man, I lose my, I may lose my, my sell here, but I mean, in the end we want what's best for them. That's right. 100%. So if you can have, if you, they can keep that as a rental, still get, you know, help in the buying process. So that's another conversation to have because I wished as we go back, yeah. talk about going back, you yeah. know, I wished I would have had that conversation yeah. when I moved from my first home into my second. Cause I looking back, I'm like, man, that would have been a great investment property, but, but no one had that conversation. I wouldn't, and it wasn't on my mind, wasn't in my frame of mind. I yeah. think another big one too, if you're going to sell, declutter the home. I was just, I love that. Yeah, I was just D. about to say that. No, 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 sure. for it. So man, decluttering home is, is huge. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that directly, sellers, please, please hear our words, that directly will affect the price you get on your home. Mm -hmm. Directly reflect it. Yeah. I've had buyers walk out of houses that were decluttered that they actually were interested in on paper. It checked every box. They walked out. They didn't want to get past yeah, it. Yeah, there's they too much clutter. Too much yeah. clutter. They didn't want it. Yeah. Because what it showed was that the person was not maintaining the home at the level at which they wanted to buy that home at. Right. So what other issues? This, this is the mind of a buyer. Whenever you're a seller, put yourself in the mind of a buyer. If you're going to go walk through a home and what you're looking for to purchase, that is exactly the mindset you need to have when you go to sell. When a buyer walks in my home, what do I want them to think? Yeah. If I were a sell, if I, as we sell our home and we're going to purchase a home, 
what are the things we're going to be looking for? What are our non-negotiables versus negotiables? And that is exactly the mind frame you want to have for anybody walking in your home. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. hundred percent makes a big difference. And even if it means getting a professional house cleaner 100%. to get into your home. So you maybe start the decluttering process and then um, you have a conversation with a house cleaner or a company that is really, really good at it and goes through and I mean, cleans baseboards and scrubs floors and gets in all the the crevices, like make sure that everything looks really presentable from from a buyer's perspective when you first walk in the home and you can see, man, this house has been taken care of. I know that that was a big thing for my wife and I when we purchased our home, um, this one that we're in most recently, and we've been there a year. We walked in there and it was like, you could just tell. You could tell that they had taken care of it and they shared with us that they had a house cleaner come every couple of weeks and it was great. Um, but you could you could tell as soon as you walked in the home, like, man, this home is very well taken care of. And on top of that, I would just add into their, uh, you know, yard maintenance and landscaping. Yeah. You know, make it. sure the yard is cleaned up, trimmed down. You know, uh, if you got some, I mean, if you can, if you got some pickets that are broken on the fence, fix it, fix the fence up, you know, have it have it looking as, as good as possible. Just have the outside looking good. You want people when they pull up to the house, like, yeah, I like the way this yard looks. Yeah, I love that. As a seller, too, here's another tip for you as well. A lot of times sellers are still living in the home before they get to their new home. So a lot of them are worried, well, how do we maintain our normal standard of living? Yeah. You know, while we're looking for the right home. And this is the one thing I tell because it always affects the decluttering process. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the one thing I tell sellers in our listing presentations and consultations is, listen, why don't you just take everything that you're going to, you know, is going to be moved regardless, put those in boxes or those big like plastic container tubs and put them in a garage space. Mm. People 99.999% of the time, they're not buying the home for the garage. Right. They're buying the home for the home to see if their family could live there. Yeah. So at least if you store everything in one spot in the garage to where at least people can poke their head in and see enough of the garage. I promise you that will make all the difference in the world. If you can keep your home decluttered, put everything that you're going to be moving anyway into a box, that way you're not having to pay for a storage unit and the buyer can still come in with a fresh set of eyes and look at that home. That's right. Yeah. Man, I love that. What about investing? I'm going to jump into the investing portion of this. Let's go. (laughs) Let's get real. What you guys got? Real estate investing. Okay. So, I mean, one of the big questions that I have been brought to, is uh, should I pay cash or finance? What's your, what do you think? I think it depends on your money situation. I think using leverage helps with velocity. Mm-hmm. I think using leverage, what I mean by that is like financing can help with speed, which means more acquisitions. So depending on you as an investor, it depends on, because there's so many ways you can get started as an investor. Most people think they got to have, oh, 20% down for an investment loan. Well, if you're just going at it the normal standard way, sure. But there there are so many other different ways. You can go hard money, private money. You can ask a parent or a, uh, a family member to be a silent partner while you manage the property. So, for example, we're working on projects right now with investors to where they bring all the money, we bring the management of the project, and we get a certain percentage of the net proceed along with the listing. Well, the reason I mention that is because depending on where you're as an, at as an investor, maybe you're wanting to be more passive. There's ways to partner right now to help get you where you want. And a lot of times your agents can be your best advocates because they've already got their eyes on the properties you're wanting to obtain. Yeah. They already have resources to talk to the homeowners that you're wanting to talk to. Leverage your real estate agents, your local real estate agents, and then leverage them also by maybe partnering with them if they're open to it. I think that's a great way to get velocity and start. Because the process, you hear this time and time again, Warren Buffett talks about it, right? The process of real estate investing is boring. It takes time. Mm-hmm. You don't build wealth overnight. You yeah. don't. Mm-hmm. You, it, it takes a lot of time. With that being said, there's other people out there in YouTube world that talk also about the velocity and speed and how to get all of this stuff done and turn multiple times over. And I think to each his own. I just know that um, there's different ways depending on your current situation. If you're a first-timer and you're directly asking that question, should I use cash or finance? If it's going to take all of your reserves and cash to get the investment property, Absolutely no, because you don't know what's going to happen in that home. That's, yeah, that's right. right. 
If you're a seasoned investor and you've been in 150 homes or 200 homes or 500 homes and in a specific neighborhood or area that you love investing in, chances are you're going to have a good feel because you've probably already walked that property with your contractors. You've probably already had it inspected or you know that your eye test is so good. Your, your buy box is in such a way that it's not going to fall outside of that buy box if you were to buy that home. And if you got the cash reserves, go ahead. Yeah. Because yeah. you can make a better deal up front. So your equity position is greater depending on if you're buying and holding or if you're fixing and flipping. Yeah, and that's also going along with that, if you're interested in um, investing in real estate, you really want to take it serious and you don't want to you know, put yourself in a bad spot, start learning now what these, we talked about big ticket items are were earlier. Start learning now what these big ticket items are, are and what they're going to cost you now and in the long run if mm-hmm. you keep if you want to keep this property. Like if you go in and... It has no, uh, you know, AC system. System that's one of the biggest ones that I can think of is, um, okay, what's it going to take to put an AC system or heat and, heat and air in this home? Um, start learning that stuff now, so you can come up with some hard numbers on what's it, what's this house going to cost, plus improvements, and is it going to continue to appreciate where where it's at? I mean, yeah. all properties do, but they're you know some some do slower or not. Yeah. I love that, man. Man, I really like that. I also think that that's where a good or a great real estate professional comes in is being able to connect you with the people that you need for what for what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. If you have no idea how much a new HVAC system is going to cost to put in a home, reach out to your agent and say, hey, who do you know? Because yeah. if you, uh, I've, they'll know, man, I feel like good agents or agents that are well networked in our community know a good handful of contractors and a bunch of different fields. I love that. And I think too, it's, it's important if you're, if you're an investor, whether you're looking to scale and you're seasoned or you're brand new sitting with an agent that you trust and having them on all your deals is super important because Mm -hmm. if, if you, which I'm plugging episode three, by the way, if you didn't see that, go back and watch it because we actually had a local investor talk about him partnering with a local agent and how he manages those relationships to help him. But what, what I will say with that is the reason why I suggest that is because if you're just spitfiring agents because you have one thing in mind, you're not really getting relationships out of that, which means you're probably going to have frustrations pegging multiple agents because they don't know specifically the, the, the end goal you have in mind, yeah. why you're doing what you're doing, um, or what to look for specifically that's going to help you reach your end goals. Mm-hmm. So when you build those relationships as an investor – I promise you a good agent and a good investor relationship, man, I'm going to plug my, my, my number one investor up in Oregon. That dude gave us so much business, but because we knew each other through and through, he knew exactly who I was and what we were able to do for him. We knew exactly what he wanted. We were good friends and I could take care of him on anything he needed. Yeah. When, when you have that kind of relationship, your speed and velocity will happen naturally because you're going to have somebody advocating for you. And I think it's important too, is I'm going to kind of give some spitfire tips here. If you're an investor, know what your buy box is. Sit down with one of us, talk about what asset class are you wanting to buy? Are you wanting to get into new development? Are you wanting to get into land? Are you wanting to get into Airbnb short-term rental space? Are you wanting to get into long-term buy and holds, fix and flips, burrs, whatever it is, Sit down with somebody who you can actually brainstorm this stuff out with on paper who knows how to help you get to where you need to go. Yep, that's right. And get you connected with the people that will help push, get you to that, to that point. 100%. Get you in that direction. Yep. Um, one thing to, let's go over like words of caution. Like as an investor, if I tell you, hey, I'm looking at a home that's 75000 bucks. Um, I've got 10000 in renovations. What are some things that you're you're like... And I'm, I'm like, hey, I'm looking in this area in Amarillo. Like, what are some things that you're like, man, we got to stay away from this or you got to know this before you go into that home? Because there's certain neighborhoods that whenever you have that buy box, if if you're fixing and flipping or if you're buying and holding, that's going to completely affect your value on both ends. Yep. So what are what are some of the things you would tell an investor to look out for that's, that's coming in in that range? Yeah, man, I think it just depends on the neighborhood because there are several neighborhoods around here that have different things to really be paying attention to. Some of them are... Um, because larger trees are in that neighborhood. And so some of the some of the sewage and, and piping underneath the house, like that may be an issue later on down the road, or like 
older piping, if it's cast iron, like there's all those different types of things based on the neighborhood. So I think, I think knowing the, um, everything that you need to know based on the neighborhood that the home's in. I love that. So let's plug in sewer scopes because I think it's important for an investor to get a sewer scope because depending on where, depending on where that neighborhood is, like you just mentioned, I mean, that's an 8,000 to to potentially 15,000, depending on if it's a great fix. That's not a small thing. Yeah. It depends on neighborhood and, and contractor, but at the end of the day, that's a hidden cost. I think yep. as an investor, it's knowing what your hidden costs are. Yep. It's your big ticket items. It's your electric. It's your plumbing. It's that's foundation. Right. It's all the stuff we tell a normal home buyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And, uh, you know, the, going back to just that sewer scope, you know, we can see most everything from the ground up, except for what's underneath the, you know, the pier being, um, but we can't see what's in the ground. We can't see that sewer. And, man, I have seen... Where you know, and I'm sh- I'm just throwing out numbers here. I'm sure there's deeper deeper sewers, but where it's 30 feet deep, well, you know, Plumber Bob ain't getting that. We're gonna have to co- hire a company coming out with a with a backhoe and excavator, and like we're looking at a real life project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then you're not. I mean, it's not just a line. Then it's oh, we got to do landscaping on top of it. We got to replace all that topsoil. We have to get new sod. It's it's everything on top of it. So as an investor which I loved your question. Should I pay cash or should I go this? I think it depends on your situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm like, if you can partner with somebody, great. Cause I think you can get there quicker together. You just have to find the right partner. Yep. But, right okay. What, what kind of questions do we have that we, that uh, we looked at earlier that came in, that came in for us? Yeah. So thank you guys all because, um, so any of you listening to the podcast today, you can go follow all of us at our socials. So mine's at Derek with an accent. Mine's at Shea.Olson. That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> we'll post Sam's in the description, man. Okay? It's, it's Monday morning, man. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll post this this year. But the reason I'm saying that is because what we did before the podcast is we asked the audience, we asked our viewers what questions and real estate tips or, or questions you had that you wanted answers for on the podcast. Well, some of those came in, so we're going to talk through some of those. And then we're I, there's a few things we're going to give that are golden nuggets at the very end, so stay tuned to the very end for those. Um, but one of those things, um, Shay, what was one of them that came in on yours? Man, finding a reliable contractor, what does that process look like? That's a good one. Man, for I mean, for investors, for buyers, sellers, what, whatever. You well, know, for, what? hold on. First yeah. of all, let's talk about what, what are the pains of – what people typically experience when they hire a contractor. What are some of the pains people I think have? not showing up. Not, not showing up. Uh-huh. Not getting a job done. A terrible Taking job. Taking money and running. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Terrible product at the end. Quality. Yeah. So these are just a few, right? Yep. So I think the answer to that is finding somebody who doesn't do those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you find them? Your lo- local real estate agent. <laughs> <laughs> exactly who you know it's who you know because they've been through the ringer they've yeah. they've uh, those agents have they've talked to plenty of people who have or haven't done the job well mm-hmm. and you gotta you gotta realize too listeners out there that your agents we're the ones we get feedback whenever whenever something doesn't happen good for a client of ours we know if somebody does a bad job as a, as a contractor we know we hear about it yep. right because yep. It's a part of our process as helping people buy, sell, invest, whatever. But we hear about those things. So um, chances are we can help steer you away from people we've heard bad things about or we've had bad experiences or our clients have because we've got a lot of exposure working with people in that area. So I do love that, yes. And I think it's important to know that – I would also say attitude. I mean, depending on what you're looking for in a contractor, some – some I've worked with, I, I'm just being real with you. Depending on how they treat me up front on the first phone conversation, mm-hmm. I won't use them. Yeah. Because if they're not going to treat me with respect, what if I'm away and my wife needs something and they're going to call? And if they're if they're not treating me with respect, I know they're not treating her with respect. Yep. Or so your I, clients. Or our clients. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, and in the same token, agents listening out there, How's your tone on the phone? What's your conversations look like with people? Because they're, you know, buyers, sellers, investors are also gauging us just like we are our contractors, yeah, third right. party that's sources. Right. But I would absolutely say, like, you know, if they've got a good attitude, they've got a good track record, good contractors will give you a list of references. That's They'll right. say, hey, look at our previous jobs. Here's our portfolio. Here's our business page. Right. Here's a list of references. Yep. Call them and see what their experience was. Yep. You know, if they're not seasoned or they don't, 
you know, look for communication, look for certain language aspects as far as, you know, are they communicative? Are they on time? Are they punctual? Are mm -hmm. they always late? Are they running behind? Is the job scope running behind all the time? There's certain things, life happens, guys. There's not a perfect contractor out there. Right. There's not a perfect agent out there. There's not a perfect, um, you know, whoever out there. But I think those are some of the things you can look for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just going along with that, you know, like there is no perfect. You won't find a perfect one, and you're going to find flaws in, in, in any of these people, and that's okay. I think that just part of that is like, uh, just open and honest communication on that. Like, uh, you know, I didn't do a great job on this one. Uh, or, you know, I, some, this wasn't right for these circumstances in a fix. Um, but, you know, I've corrected that now. Yeah. That's fine. And I think being understanding of that, too, on the opposite side, dealing with a contractor is yeah. saying, hey, like, I've heard great things about you. I personally didn't have a good experience with this part of the process yeah. or whatever. But Amen. like you said, people are we're people. We're going to make mistakes. We're yeah. going to not, we're not going to be perfect a hundred percent of the time. Yep. So having that grace and that patience is, I mean, I think is key. And I love that too, right. because, oh, you know, regardless of how, you know, as I mentioned, there's some contractors depending on how they, I won't give them the job depending on how they talk to me. Yeah. But that does not mean that I am rude to them. It doesn't mean that I'm disrespectful to them Yeah. because if I will still treat them with grace, why this is important. Because as an agent or as an investor or as a homeowner or a home buyer, the reason why you always keep those relationships intact, no matter how somebody responds to you, is because you never know whenever it's the fourth quarter and you got three strikes. You've tried all three yeah. contractors. You were referred. Nobody can help you. You're in an emergency situation. Maybe that guy or girl is the only one that can do it. Mm -hmm. And maybe they can do a serviceable job depending on attitude. Yeah, It's better to get your home fixed and, and get your emergency taken care of than be sitting there in the dark with no water or whatever. Yep, yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah. Man, I love that. The, that's the importance of relationships. That'll be That's a whole other conversation that we'll dive into, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, just keeping those relationships intact because you don't know when you're going to run into a tough situation. Right. Time crunch. That. Right. love that. What other questions do we have? Man, um, what about the importance of – a home inspection. We touched on that a little bit in sewer scopes and things like that. But for first time home buyers, we'll, we'll just touch just on just briefly on that. But the importance of a home inspection, what I mean, in the yeah. whole scope, man, I know, you know, especially when got these first time home buyers. Well, you know, any buyer that goes in, that's just money crunched. I man, I get it. You know, I, I get it. Like, you, you, it's just another added expense that I'm gonna have to pay. And then I still got to come up with closing costs. But I'm just saying, like, that is going to save you so much money it, it, down the road if you do get a home inspection. You need to get a home inspection. We uh, Obviously, we always have to advise it anyways. We should. But you need to get a home inspection from the top, top up. Obviously, the sewer scope. Gas, if you have gas, get that pressure test. I mean, you need to have that. It's going to save you so much money. You want to know. And here it's important for the agent, too, because as we go into that option period, we want to know, okay, what, what, what's our out? If, if, what, at what point in this inspection do we know, yeah. like, we're, we're getting out? We, we can't tell you that if we don't get an inspection. Yeah, that's why you have that. an option period. That's important. That. So, actually, you guys brought up the option period. Let's, I'll quickly blaze through. As if you're a buyer, um, I'll go through the entire process with you real quick and just some easy steps of what you can expect when buying a home if this is your first time. Your first step is hire your agent, then get pre-approved with a lender um, that they recommend. Second, you're going to get a home under contract. After you get a home under contract, it's going to be your option period and earnest money. So what you have to do within your first three business days is get your earnest money, your option money into escrow, and that could be a nominal. Both of those are nominal fees, and those are negotiable. Um, typically earnest money is about 1%, not all the time, but so if you got a $200,000 house you're trying to buy, it's typically $2,000, not all the time, negotiable, yep. but those are your first beginning things and your earnest money does go towards your, um, your down payment at, um, at the end of the transaction. Now there are protections in there for you. We mentioned an option period that can be seven, 10, 14 days, whatever terms you want to put on the contract that allows you after you pay the period. So your option money is what you pay the seller to be able to walk away for any reason. You're also getting that ability to get all the home inspected from any degree. So you get to retain your earnest money if you walk away in the option period. After the option period, you have the appraisal period, which is when your lender is going to order appraisal on the home if you're financing for this purchase. Yep. 
uh, if the home appraises, yay, great, you're moving forward to the closing table, which you need your ID, you need you know cashier's check, money order, check with your title rep on all of those things associated with closing. Um, and then from that, you get your keys, you close on your home. So those are kind of the steps that's that's here in Texas, what to kind of look for. Yes, there's more involved in that. Yeah, that was real quick. But that's <laughs> real, real quick, run the through. steps from start to finish on like everything from start to finish buying a home. Exactly. So, you know, just going back to that inspection point, you know, we, you know, the house may look great, but we don't know what's, what, what it looks like behind the walls where the electrical yeah. is. We don't know what's, what it looks like with the HVA system, you know, just having a good home inspection and just, just, just do it. Yep. Just yep. do it. It's super important and not just on existing homes, new construction as well. As well. Every yes. time. Yep. Definitely recommend just because a home is brand new, they literally just finished painting, whatever. I, I think it's still super important that you get a home inspection regardless of the age of the home. Yep. I do too. Um, here's also one thing I wanted to mention too, kind of spitfiring with the buyers again. Let's go through sellers again real quick. So one of the biggest things the sellers are concerned about we didn't talk about is where are they going when they sell? Well, sellers, just so you know, if you don't have the ability to drop your home sale contingency, you have to have a home sale contingency to purchase a home. There are products out there that we can link in the description um, that will allow you to purchase a home, get in your home, and then have a longer period of time for selling. There's a small convenience fee for doing this, and it can be decreased in certain ways, but there are programs out there to allow you to just move into whatever home you want to move into now, purchase the home right now, and just pay for one mortgage. You're not having to double pay at the same yep. time. Until right. the home sells. Until yep. the home sells. Yep. So if you need resources, again, contact one of us. Yep. We have those resources for you. But just know, sellers, that's one of the biggest things you're concerned about when we all talk to you. And I'm just telling you, there are programs to alleviate that concern that we all, that we do have access to. Yep, absolutely. I love that. Yep, awesome. Well, guys, I think we did a good job with real estate tips today. Um, I, and I do want to throw this out there for anybody that's listening who just has general questions. If you want to get to to asking any of us at any point, feel free to contact us. Drop us an email. I mean, I know we're here to serve your needs. We're here to take care of you. We're talking through tips right now. So this probably spawned questions. Please go ahead. If, if you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and comment any more associated questions that you have after this podcast. We'd love to hear them. We'd love to answer them. Again, email us your questions. Give us a call. One of us will get back to you, answer anything you have, but we appreciate you. That's right. Even though I don't know my handle, I <laughs> do know. I do look at it and I do read the questions. <laughs> I love it. Well, man, we appreciate you guys for listening. Thanks for uh, tuning into episode four. Um, keep it real. Let's keep it real. Yeah, man. Later. Later.